0: Oh, and welcome to the history of Vikings. Enduring images of Scandinavian warriors, wielding Dane axes and Ulfbert swords, come to mind every time I hear the word Viking. The thought of shield walls and sea battles, ring fortresses, and monastery raids remind me that the Viking warrior was an important figure during the early Middle Ages. But what were the weapons of this warrior? Did he prefer to carry an axe or a sword? Was archery a common skill? And were all free men expected to bear arms? Today on the podcast, we'll be addressing all of these questions and more in an exciting episode about Viking weapons. Joining me to discuss this topic is Vegard Vik, an archaeological conservator at the Museum of Cultural History in Oslo, Norway. Vegard is the co-author of a book titled Vikings at War, which he wrote together with historian Kim Hjardar. Before we get into my conversation with Vegard, I want to tell you that we've partnered with Medieval Warfare magazine as a way to support this podcast. Medieval Warfare is the highest quality magazine dedicated to the weapons and warriors of the Middle Ages. Every issue features specially commissioned artwork and original maps that bring medieval combat to life. If you've ever wanted to support the history of Vikings, please consider doing so by signing up for a digital subscription to Medieval Warfare, which is only 10 bucks every six months. If you choose to sign up, please do so via the link in the description of this episode, as the History of Vikings will receive a commission. You can also get a 10% discount off your subscription if you use the coupon code VIKINGS at checkout. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Vegard Vik. Vegard Vik, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Well, I'm massively excited to be discussing a topic today on the podcast which we have never done an episode about before, surprisingly enough, and that is Weapons of the Viking Age. My first question to you, Vegard, is this. The Vikings are known to have used an array of different weapons in combat, yet the image of axe-wielding Scandinavians is an enduring one. What's special about Viking axes? Why might a warrior have used one in contrast to a spear or sword? Well, in many ways, the armament
1: of Vikings was probably fairly similar to other people around Europe at that time, but they are quite well known for the use of axes. And they seem to have used uh, axes uh, possibly more than the Central or Northern Europe or the Frankish area. One way to look at it is that the axe was sort of the tool that you could uh, utilize as a weapon. Maybe it grew out of that, possibly. And then when we move closer to the end of the
0: Viking Age, there are actually specialized axes for war also. And is there a notable difference between the Viking battle axes and those axes primarily used as tools?
1: Well... They, they tend to have a, uh, a longer edge, and uh, they are forged in a way that they are slimmer and thinner in the blade. So you get a somewhat lighter axe in comparison to the length of the edge. Uh, but other than that, many of the axes tend to be for 2 end use. They have a longer, slightly longer haft than uh, a sword length, for example. Somewhere around uh, a meter or slightly above a meter in length, seemingly. But they they probably also also used one-handed axes, uh, which was even lighter. But um, those we see actually more of in the eastern material in the Slavic region, for example. When we look at the axes that um, were tools uh, that could have been used for war, also they tend to be fairly heavy, uh, so they were probably used mostly two-handed.
0: Very interesting. Now. Do you think the Viking use of axes was more of a a cultural tradition? Was it more of personal preference? And do you think that their use of axes gave the Vikings any particular edge against their opponents in combat? I think that uh,
1: ideally any Viking or a warrior from Scandinavia who looked at himself as a professional or a proper warrior would probably ideally want to have a, a sword. But I mean, swords are expensive to get, and uh, the ex could do the job as well, but it uh, might have been a class thing, actually, that you, if you were high in society, uh, owner of lots of, of land, you would like to have a sword to show off your status, or you, you would actually feel that you would have to have a sword. But if you were lower down in the range where you didn't actually own land, you didn't own your own farm, you were more person in service of someone else, then it would be more normal to starting out using the tool axe as your weapon and then um, possibly later on getting a better
0: weapon. Now, you mentioned swords. Would Viking Age swords have been expensive items? Would these have been things passed down from father to son? Uh, there's so many things we could we could talk about uh, in regard to Viking swords, but I guess that's my first question. It's it's a difficult question, but
1: if you look at the typology of Viking weapons, I mean, the, the system that is used to sort of group various types of sword hilts, various types of axes in the shape of them, uh, we use typologies to date them, basically. And they tend to be each group in the typology tend to be in the range of maybe used for a period of 50 to 75 years, maybe. So um, it can be difficult to actually get as close as each generation when you look at the, how long these weapons were in use. We can't say for sure how much of a tradition it was to inherit weapons, but it's uh, probably at least the swords, they were very expensive. It was probably a tradition to, to inherit swords sometimes. And there seem to be a tendency for that when we look in the medieval sagas. I mean, the sagas describe the Viking period, but they are written down a few hundred years later on, so it's difficult to be sure if they are exact knowledge from the
0: Viking Age, actually. Indeed. And Vegard, I'm curious, I have to ask the question about Ulfbert swords. Uh, these types of blades have been found from Iceland to Finland these sort of Viking Age swords inlaid with the inscription Ulfbert. Can you tell us anything about those types of swords during the Viking Age?
1: Well, the Ulfbert blade inscription is the most numerous uh, blade inscription we have from the Viking Age. Quite a few hundred finds of those. So that's probably why they are the most well-known also. It seems to be a production going on somewhere maybe in the Frankish area. And it was probably quite popular with the Vikings if it was a popular or viewed as a high quality sword at the time. There has been some theories written up about uh, the quality of the steel in the Ulfparts swords also. And I mean, they could have had uh, high quality, but there are some problems with those, those theories uh, that I looked at the metal- metallographical qualities of the steel in the Ulfparts swords.
0: And Ulfbert, what, what exactly does that mean? Is it the name of a Frankish smith, perhaps? Is it, is it more of a, a trademark, a name brand?
1: I mean, it's, it's, uh, the Ulfbert swords were in use for quite a long time, more than half the Viking Age. They seem to have started out almost uh, from the start of the Viking Age or early in the Viking Age, and they continuing use not all the way until the end of the viking age but at least for maybe almost 200 years i guess 250 years or something in that region so uh, it couldn't have been one single blacksmith doing that work must have been a tradition possibly started by some individual or a production area and then it probably got copied a lot and um, at least it's been a mark of quality but uh, it could have been Various production places, and it not all the inscriptions are exactly the same. There are two main variants of it where you have this last letter, the Ulfbert, the T at the end. It's sometimes written with the main text, uh, and then there's a second variation where you have the T separated from the rest of the letters by a plus sign. So there seem to be two main ways of writing it, and then, of course, a lot of writings that are sort of misspelled, we probably think those are copies.
0: Fascinating. That's very interesting. Well, the spear, of course, uh, was the primary weapon of war due to its superior length and reach. Do you think that the combination of spear and shield was uh, the most effective weaponry, perhaps, on the battlefield? Or was it just simply the most common or perhaps the most affordable? seems that the spear was sort of the weapon of war as you say that the length was superior
1: to all the other hand weapons so um uh, ideally if if uh, people using swords met the group of people using spears the spear people would basically win because of the longer reach and uh, if you had if you used it one-handed you couldn't have as long a spear as if you used it two-handed but you could at the same time you could have your protection with your shield so in a large battle that would probably be, uh, be a good thing or you would be at least most of the people on your side should have shields otherwise you would be um, very exposed so i think there could have been a combination of use of one-handed spears and shields and then some people may using
0: two-handed spears for an even longer reach and that's where the shield wall sort of comes into play isn't it is that a this tactic I mean, that's something that, of course, is known in popular culture, I think, in large part thanks to the History Channel TV show Vikings. But is that something that would have been implemented by, of course, Vikings using spears, these massive wall formations? We can't really know for sure, because what we have
1: is mainly the sagas uh, writing details about that. As they are medieval sources, we can't really know for sure if they describe what was done in the Viking Age. But uh, if you look at history more on a general term, look back to the, the Greeks and further up in time, and then later on looking at the medieval period, it seems to be that a kind of shield wall or something like that would be likely and feasible, at least for a professional army. But I mean, we can't really say for sure.
0: Yes. When discussing Viking weapons, are there any social or cultural aspects that we should be aware of? For example, were levies or militia forces common during the Viking Age? How did free men view weaponry, for example?
1: Well, there seems to be. We have these medieval laws uh, in Norway, for example, that are written down fairly early in the Middle Ages, or what we call the Middle Ages, which is after the period when Christendom was introduced, which is basically after the Viking Age. We have those written down, and they are indications that they were probably based upon laws in use during the Viking Age and possibly even earlier. And those laws have some specific notes about um, how all free men had to be armed or had to arm themselves and get hold of weapons to be able to partake in defense of the region if a foreign army came knocking. And those earliest versions of those laws, they do not Mention anything about armor; they only mention the actual weapons. So there's a focus on that each man should have a hand weapon, like either an axe or a sword. In this case, it's always we always talk about uh, one-handed swords. And then, in addition, they should have a shield and a spear. That, that was the type of tools that every free man should have, even if you were rich and had were owner of farms, or if you were only a worker. That was still a free man, but you didn't own a farm of your own, for example.
0: Well, is it true that most weapons from the Viking age have been found in graves? If so, what does this mean? Does it affect our understanding of weaponry in any way? As most of the weapons we have are
1: found in graves, that source is affected by the fact that um, we only have what they actually put in a grave or wanted to put in a grave. So. What we find in the graves is actually more or less uh, in line with the laws that we have. We usually find uh, a sword, and axe, shield bosses, and spearheads. That's the most common types of weapons that we find. Not always all of them, but uh, it's very common to have at least uh, one, two, possibly three offensive weapons and a shield boss. And then in addition, we also have some arrowheads once in a while in. Slightly um, better off graves, uh, and there is usually a bundle of them. The exact number is not always fixed, but uh, there seems to be a tendency that if you have many arrows, it's often in the region of for example, twelve arrows. It can also be fewer than that, like six arrows, for example. Bow and arrow was also an important weapon for the Vikings, but not everyone had it, but you can see it in the medieval laws also that. There was a demand of of people when they were manning uh, boats or protective warships. A few of those people should also have, be armed with bows. The laws talks about that too.
0: Very interesting. And that's one thing I think that uh, tends to be often overlooked in the sagas we read of sort of Viking Age naval battles where men fought in the prows of longships and sort of sailed them alongside one another. And, you know, there was all sorts of um, hand-to-hand fighting augmented by intense missile combat. So I think that's a a fascinating little tidbit there that you've denoted, Vegard. But can one make an assumption that uh, the Vikings may have employed Special units of just archers was a Viking warrior, sort of a jack of all trades, you know, being able to shoot a bow and arrow as well as using his other weapons. Once again, we only have the sagas to describe that, and so we don't have proper sources
1: on it. But at least we know that some people were armed with the bow and arrow. The Vikings seem to have used it to some extent during that time period during the Viking Age there seemed to be a bit of a variation in various places in Europe how common bow and arrow was used. But it it seems to be that as you probably as you get towards the end of the Viking Age, the armies seem to have be become more professional. They become larger. Probably the bow and arrow became more common to use in such large organized war parties. And also probably a larger the use of armor probably Became also
0: more uh, pronounced, probably more common to have armor towards the end of the Viking Age. Well, now let's talk about Viking armor a little bit. What would a well armored Viking have worn into battle, and does such armor seem to have been effective in early medieval combat? Well,
1: before we talk about the armor, of course, the shield was a main protective tool the Vikings had. A large shield with a size of maybe. 80 to 90 centimeters in diameter, a round shield, would be something sort of everybody had. But of course, uh, when it comes to the actual armor part, uh, the two main armor parts would be male shirt and a helmet. Probably the helmet is more important as the first sort of armor because the head is uh, quite exposed when you use a shield. So, uh, but the, the male sort of, It's an addition to the shield. It protects the upper body when you're not uh, aware of the attacks coming or stray arrows or spare points.
0: Very interesting. Well, you know, Vegard, one topic that is very hot on the internet right now is the Yarm helmet. For listeners who are unfamiliar with this object, during the 1950s, a helmet was unearthed by workmen digging in a sewerage system at the town of Yarm in northern England. This undecorated helmet had a spectacle-shaped face protection and probably dates to the Viking Age. Vegard, can you tell us anything more about this fascinating object and what your thoughts are on it? Well, first off, uh,
1: when it comes to armor, we have very few finds of it from the Viking Age, especially in Scandinavia. So any new addition uh, when it comes to helmets, for example, is, uh, is kind of spectacular. In Norway, we only have the Jermenbø helmet, which is probably one of the most known uh, helmets from the Viking age. And as we have usually been saying about it, it's sort of the only Viking helmet. It's, it's not quite true, though, but it's the most complete Viking helmet we have from Scandinavia. In addition, we have some eyebrow protection pieces from helmets. One from Denmark, from a, from a place called Kjele, and then uh, one from Gotland, from a place called Lükrum. So basically, those three finds are the only helmets we have from the Viking Age in Scandinavia. So um, this helmet from Yarm, um, which has been frowned upon a bit because the find, uh, the way it was found, was a bit um, sketchy and unclear. So it's not been in the limelight uh, much since it was found. But this new article that sort of goes through all the details of its uh, construction and also the quality of the metal in it and um, details of that gives a pretty convincing account of that it's actually probably an original from that time period. It might not be exactly from the Viking Age, but at least from the Viking Age or slightly earlier or slightly later. So, But it seems to be, when you look at all the details of, how it's not very decorated. It's made in a very straightforward, practical fashion. The quality of the blacksmithing is quite coarse and seem to be mainly made to be a functional piece, not to be a show-off helmet. And that would point to it being from the later part of the Viking
0: Age. Now, do we know why there have been so few Viking helmets found throughout the world, or is that just one of the enigmas of history? Well, it's one of those things that are, uh,
1: people usually come back to that once in a while, because when you look at the archaeological finds from Scandinavia, and especially in Norway, we have, just in Norway, we have about 3,000 swords and a similar amount of spearheads and axes, even more axes, actually, maybe three and a half, four thousand 4,000 axes. And that's quite a lot. But at the same time, you only have one helmet, which is kind of weird when you think about it, there should have been more helmets so the main explanation for that is probably what they decided to put in the graves because we can surely say that the helmets would have been at least slightly more popular than what we find in the archaeological record but saying that the helmets was probably not as common as some of the other weapons but there are uh, that extreme discrepancy says something about the sources and it's probably due to the tradition of uh, the burials and what they decided to put in the graves. We can't say for sure. Maybe it's uh, related to the laws that uh, I mentioned earlier that only gives demands for the, for the hand weapons. They mention nothing about the armor. So maybe there is a connection there, but uh, it's difficult to say for
0: sure. It's a big conundrum. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, so when discussing the Yarm Helmet, that conversation begs the question, If this helmet was unearthed during the 1950s, why has it suddenly resurfaced all of these years later? Was for for that long period of time was it undergoing testing and analysis? Um, Why the long gap between the discovery and sort of the confirmation that it is probably can probably be dated to the Viking age?
1: It was sort of found seemingly. It was found just haphazardly out of context. Maybe people didn't actually see what kind of time period it would have been from in the first place. In the period in between, people started thinking of it as a Viking Age helmet. But by that time, people were kind of dubious about its authenticity. But uh, I mean, it was found quite early, so people wouldn't have had a good idea of how they should make a fake helmet like that at that time anyway. So just that by itself actually indicates that it's uh, probably not a fake. But at the same time, actually, the Järmebu helmet was found somewhat slightly before the arm held, and it was actually published just a few years before the arm helmet was found. But um, I don't think there is actually any direct connection there. But of course, you can make a case for that. But at the same time, it doesn't have any of the details that you find in the Järmebu helmet. It's the, the, the shape of the spectacles and stuff like that is, is made much rougher and in, in a different manner than uh, at the Airmember helmet. So it, it's basically just seemed to be a very practical, practical helmet for actual war use and no, um, no show off, at least. When we talk about spectacle helmets, the first ones that we have are actually from several hundred years earlier than the Viking Age, from the sixth and seventh century. And they um, are extremely lavishly decorated. And they're mostly found in, in Sweden from Vendels, Vendel and Valsgjerde. And they're sort of in the same tradition at the certain Hu helmets. But they have a slightly different uh, decoration and shape to them. But uh, that's sort of like the earlier spectacle helmets. And then the Jærmøbel helmet and the Yarm helmets, they seem to be just bleak uh, echoes of that time. Which has turned more into practical helmets for war and, th- and then just just to finish that note of w- when we get a couple of hundred years or at least 100 years into the future from the helmet, when you're looking at uh, the battle of hastings and the start of um, the christian era in scandinavia the helmets have started to change in shape They become pointed at the top they aren't round uh like the Järmögu helmet and the arm helmet anymore, so then there's sort of like a new tradition of helmets.
0: Well, Vegard, today we've talked a great deal about Viking weaponry and armor. Now, I'm wondering, do you have a favorite object from the Viking Age that maybe you've handled or that excites you the most, a favorite piece of Viking weaponry or armor?
1: Well, probably one of the more lavish weapons I've been working on from the Viking Age is the Sword from Long Eyed, the grave that was dug out uh, about a decade ago. And uh, I did a conservation on that and I did the cleaning of the um, precious metal decoration on the hilt there. And that took me several hundred hours. And that was a quite exciting experience where sort of all the decoration and the letters and symbols and figures sort of came into light as I removed the corrosion
0: layers. It was um, something I'd probably will remember for the rest of my career. What an experience. What an experience indeed. Well, Vegard, before I let you go today, I want you to take a moment to tell all of our listeners about your book, Vikings at War, that you wrote with historian Kim Hyardar.
1: It's, um, it started out uh, as a project we wanted to do because the warrior, sort of was something that had not been talked about for a long time, the warrior of the Viking Age today, the focus had shifted to talking about the tradesmen and the craftsmen. So we sort of wanted to put the focus back on the Viking warrior, basically, because there are so much archaeological finds of weaponry from the Viking Age. And also, good or bad, it's uh, one of those topics that people are fascinated of when it comes to the Viking Age, and it's described a lot in the sagas. That's what uh, Kim and I started out with, and... Um, I focused on the archaeological finds and the actual objects in that book, and Kim Yada focused on all the historical aspects. I did my best to give a sort of um, short but uh, fairly comprehensive overview of the Viking weapons and some of the details of the dating of the Sword heels for example, how it changed through the Viking Age. I mean, uh, writers like uh, Jan Pettersen, who wrote about swords, Viking Age swords, hundred years ago. The details of his writing is is difficult for people to sort of get into. It's it's written in Norwegian, and it's not uh, that uh, comprehensively illustrated. So I wanted to make that more easily accessible for people.
0: And I highly recommend the book um, over the course of this year. Obviously, when many of us are cooped up inside, thanks to the coronavirus. It's certainly made for very entertaining reading for me, and the book is just filled with so many beautiful illustrations of Viking warriors and weaponry and so forth, so I highly recommend it, and indeed we will put a link to it in the description below. Furthermore, Vegard, is there anywhere else that people can go to learn more about you and your work?
1: Well, I, I do a bit of Twitter uh, activity when it comes to Viking Age weapons and tools. So um, if people follow me on Twitter, uh, they can get an update there once in a while uh, about the work I do and uh, various objects that I'm uh, fascinated by.
0: And I will put a link to your, your Twitter account as well. I know it's it's very insightful. I follow you on Twitter myself, and you're always posting such wonderful pictures of the the weapons that you're working on, and objects of the Viking Age. So for people at home on Twitter, do be sure to follow Vegard through the link in the description. Well, Vegard Vike, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much, Nolan. Thank you for listening to the History of Vikings. If you've enjoyed today's show and would like to support the podcast, please consider doing so by signing up for a digital subscription To Medieval Warfare Magazine. For only $10 every six months, you will receive bi monthly issues of, in all honesty, the best history magazine on the market. In addition to this, you'll be directly supporting the podcast. If you choose to sign up, please do so via the link in the description of this episode, as the History of Vikings will receive a commission. You can also get a 10% discount off your subscription if you use the coupon code VIKINGS at checkout. Thank you so much again for listening. Please join us here again for another episode.